one. In case you were just way too busy to listen to our last show, this is what you missed. Too easy for someone to just connect it to Obi-Wan and say, well, it, he's he's on a pilgrimage on that's so, tattooing. It's so basic. And it's so basic. No, it's so basic in the sense that it's just, it's, it's deductive reasoning it's gone deductive awry deductive reasoning again. gone Well, he's spiritual. It's a spiritual quest. It's a pilgrimage. It's pilgrim. It's like, dude, you're an idiot. <laughs> It's literally. I would love to actually see you in like, in like some of these like, these uh, news sites. They're they're their own like uh, rooms where they basically come up with things, yeah. and someone says that. Uh, dude, I, I wouldn't have people working for me. I'd be like, you're an asshole. Get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> no but, fan is actually calling it Pilgrim or going to call it Pilgrim. I hope not. I hope I mean, not. I mean, I think it should be called Obi-Wan Kenobi, Another Happy Landing. I mean, that's my vote. <laughs> <laughs> I would be okay with that. <laughs> Warning from the back to tank contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue How are you feeling? Your latest workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a matter of royal to help and heal human beings. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. All right, hello, welcome. Star Wars from the back, the tank. Welcome to the tank. I am Michael, and I am in the studio, of course, with David. Hello, David. In my own tank. Yes, yes. Uh, social distancing, right? That's the social that's distancing. the thing to say nowadays. We're being too responsible adults. Yeah, you should have seen me trying to have sex the other day. Social distancing, but this didn't work out. You know, especially when you're packing, you know, a small penile. Oh my god, doesn't work. Hello, Raina. How are you? You know, I'd be better if I had some social distancing in my own tank, but I'm still sharing it with David. Oh, you guys are just going to pass the virus back and forth? We got we got the suit on order, Raina. Don't worry, it'll come soon enough. Okay. Hmm. All right. Okay, so we have a lot of things to talk about today and discuss. We've been away for a while when it comes to the update show. We've been focused exclusively, it seems like, on a few comic books and Clone Wars. Uh, and rightfully so. I mean, Clone Wars has been amazing so far. Oh, yeah. But uh, that has been the best thing to Star Wars right now. It's it's like a great, nice, good cup of coffee when you're very tired after after bad things, Mike. After bad things like mm. Ryan Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> very long-winded analogy, but it works. It works. All right. So we're going to be jumping into a lot of different things today. Uh, but the first half, we're going to focus a lot on possibly this Ahsoka news. Okay, there's a lot of things to talk about when it comes to this recent casting for The Mandalorian Season 2. But first, let's talk about Sam Witwer on Clone Wars and the game-changing finale. I love Sam Witwer. 
Oh, dude, he's awesome. The guy is just so, just so genuine and sincere the way he talks. And I love having this bridge to George Lucas. And this is something you and I discussed, I don't know, maybe two months ago, maybe less that. And we had said that the Clone Wars is the last piece of George Lucas. It's a topic me and you have discussed off and on throughout our Clone Wars discussions that this is basically George's last hurrah. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, based on Sam Wentworth's interview that he had, he essentially alluded to the fact that uh, as we know, as we already, we already know this, that Lucas wrote much of the Clone Wars episodes with Dave Filoni. We we know this This isn't anything new, but there was a part of me that assumed season seven was going to be void of Lucas. I had thought that, Hey, a lot of time had passed by and they were going to have to make a lot of changes to the story based on the fact that, We have been doing Disney era Star Wars since what, 2012. So Uh I just thought they would have to change things. But according to this interview here, much of what we're getting, like we had assumed. Besides the the minor changes here and there um, is, in fact, coming from Lucas still. So when Whitworth was being interviewed, he let it out that this is the last bit of Lucas that we will ever truly get in this era of Lucasfilm. And I don't know what it was when I read those words. Maybe it's just nostalgia. Maybe it's just, you know, being sentimental in the past. But this floodgate of emotion just hit me. I was like, shit, it's over. Like, Lucas is done. And yes, as long as we have Dave Filoni in there, I think a part of Lucas will live on. Because, as we know, Dave Filoni is Lucas's protege. But this being the final real story... That's been spearheaded by Lucas to some degree. How does that make you feel, David? It's it's very nostalgic, honestly. I mean, but the more I think about it, the more I'm like going, okay, we've always fans have always bashed Lucas. They've always bashed him to some degree. But now we're getting to that point where I'm glad I'm seeing a lot of appreciation now for George Lucas. Yeah. Because, you know, like when they showed, when they released that photo of George Lucas on the set of Mandalorian and he's being shown around by Filoni and fans just gushed over it and said, this is like him giving the blessing to everybody in, in Mandalorian. And it added almost like this new fan energy to Mandalorian. Yeah. It's amazing to me that basically this is a guy who went from a a villain to fans, some fans. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was, there was some really bad feelings of a lot of fans and even some, even today, even today, some fans still hold harbor feelings, bad feelings towards Lucas. Right. But lately I'm glad to see like Sam Whitmer and a lot of the actors, especially like a lot of the clone war, clone uh, war actors, they, are a tight knit group and they're very protective of George Lucas's story. Well, I think a lot of people are coming around the people who were having, you know, yes, a lot of it was tongue in cheek. We're just having a good time kind of poking fun of some of the elements in the prequels. But I think one thing that the sequel trilogy showed everyone is that whether you agreed with some of the decisions Lucas made or not, that that's not really the point. At least there was a definitive direction in, yes. the, in his six movies. Like we knew which way he was going. It didn't feel confusing or aimless. 
And I think that's what a lot of people are realizing. Like, well, listen, under Lucas's leadership, we at least had a clear path. Yeah. With I, with Disney and the sequel trilogy, we didn't. And I think that's the reason why. And I don't want to get into that too much because I don't that veers too much the negative into the negative category that I want to negative territory that I'm trying to stay away from. Trying to but, stay away from. But you but bring, up to, a, bring up a valid point. Uh, uh, like thinking of Lucas as a creative mind, just just as like a creative mind. You know, like as a writer, a filmmaker, a director, everything. A lot of a lot. There's a lot of simple storytelling that a lot of filmmakers and writers don't do nowadays. And then when you look at someone like Lucas, you start to appreciate, man, that look what he was able to create in one storyline. Yeah. And now Sam Whitworth says, "What may be my favorite thing." What we're doing is Clone Wars is the last George Lucas produced Star Wars to be able to finish George's story is tremendously meaningful to all of us. So that's really the big deal right there. He says these are stories straight from George and we get to execute upon them. And that's kind of the end of the era. You have to appreciate that this is a crazy maverick independent filmmaker and only one of his Star Wars movies was a studio movie. I think that's something a lot of people don't realize. Yeah, that his films are technically Indie films. Indie films. And that he was an indie filmmaker blazing new paths, new trails. An indie filmmaker creating technology as he needed it to make his movies. And that's why, Dave, several months ago when you said, you know, what has George Lucas done? I'm like, really, Dave? Really? (laughs) Now I look like an idiot. <laughs> I think you were just trying to be provocative that show. You had there's something you were in a bad mood. You're like, you know, I'm going to th- feel I'm going to fucking kick Mike in the shins during the show. I honestly feel especially because I I thought about that when I when the when I went read this uh article, I'm like going I got fed into the negativity. You were the trollish angry behavior. about Rise I was of Skywalker. Anger. You were I, still I, mad. I was angry. Yeah, you were mad and you were just lashing out. You like an abusive husband, just fucking <laughs> Cougar! Cougar! <laughs> Even this cat's not safe for me. <laughs> just angry. Where's daddy's beer? I told you to bring daddy's beer. Wow. That just got real. Well, got real David, awkward over here. David, that if that's what you do, I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But see, I'm. I'm I'm a bit more peaceful in mind now. Yeah. <laughs> so another thing he mentioned that I thought was awesome and it makes perfect sense. Do you remember when we were reviewing the first episode of Clone Wars and I said, there's a cinematic flair to this episode. I said, yes, Clone Wars has always been action packed, but there was some a vibe of this of this giant cinematic epic in terms of camera choices or simulated camera choices for the animation yeah, And sure enough, when I read this interview, the, one of the things that Sam Wentworth said was that now that Filoni is experienced with the live action because of the Mandalorian and all the work he's doing now on the live action side, he said that he has brought all of that knowledge and put it into the final season of the Clone Wars. And mm-hmm. he says there's there's just this cinematic, epic vibe that's visceral that wasn't here before. He says, because now Filoni knows what it's like to work on the live action side and he's bringing that knowledge over and he's adapting it to the animation side. And dude, watching Clone Wars, you can see that. So that's another, I think, awesome element from Sam's interview. It, it, it is. I mean, I'm reading it now. You're reading it right now, Dave, as we well, speak. I'm reading it right in front of me. And one of the one of the interesting words that he uses is, he calls it an interesting progression. 
when you compare what how Filoni started. Oh yeah. And he says here, interesting progression. The cinematic nature of the show will shift a bit the way that Dave put it to me. And it's interesting that basically hearing that and just like what you just mentioned a second ago, how George Lucas was like this indie filmmaker who was like a gunslinger back in the day doing all these filmmaking uh, films on a indie budget. Mm -hmm. Star Wars was an indie film. And then now you look at Dave, how Dave Filoni started. As much as as much as Lucas is going to be gone, at, I'm happy that the soul, the spirit of his is going. To, it seems it's going to carry on with Filoni. Yeah, for sure. Let's move over to our next bit of news here, and that's the news about Rosario Dawson being cast as the live action Ahsoka Tano. This came as a bit of a shocker for me just because I had seen news circulating for a few weeks. I know Rosario Dawson herself was kind of advocating the role on Twitter. A lot of actors do that. Doesn't mean they get cast. You know, and she had made it known that she would like to play Ahsoka. Who knows if she was just being silly, if she was, you know, binging it because of Disney Plus, like a lot of people are doing. But sure enough, somebody heard her. They reached out. And next thing. You know, she has been cast officially as Ahsoka Tano. Now, let's start with Reyna. How, what are your feelings on this? Do you think it will work? Do you have any strong feelings for it or against it? Um, Yeah, I'm somewhere in the middle because I've seen a lot of her movies, B-movies and, you know, and Hollywood hits. And yeah. I didn't really care for her as an actress. She doesn't, hasn't really stood out to me that much, but I think she has the look and for some reason i feel like she has what it takes to fill this character yeah what about you dave i'm i'm really excited about this solely because i'm hoping the passion that rosario dawson is expressing about playing ahsoka is genuine yes because honestly nowadays that's what i always look at when when quote unquote big name actors or actresses come out and say, Hey, I want to play this when they this throw role. their hat in, right? They throw their ha hat in, yeah. right? Yeah. Why are you throwing your hat in? Is it just to be part of something big or are you really a fan of that character? And if, when they're a fan of the character, that passion actually shows on the screen. I know that sounds crazy to some people. No, it's true. Look at Matt Ryan for Constantine. Matt Ryan I mean, look at John Berthen, Berthenall, is that how you say his name? For The Punisher. For The Punisher. Ryan Reynolds. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds for Deadpool. Like, when you have actors who are passionately involved and truly believe in the character and love the character, they do a great job. Mm -hmm. They do a great job. Whether the script is fantastic or not, at least their performance comes through and many times will, will outshine a average ho-hum script. So, yeah, I'm on board with this, too, Dave. I I don't really have any strong feelings against it. I'm OK with it because I'm a, I'm actually a pretty big fan of uh, Rosario Dawson. I think she's fantastic. She's never really had the opportunity to be in front of the camera as a lead of sorts. She's always in the background um, on big projects, but she's never been a lead until recently. She's been cast in the USA's Pulp series. Um Briar Patch, which, where, is, and which is really good. It's an amazing show and she's doing great. And that's her first real lead performance. 
So she's definitely able to command the screen. She has the celebrity appeal. Um, but is any of this going to matter when she has prosthetics all over her body? Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing that I'm trying to figure out is like, are they going to do makeup for the face? <laughs> Will it really matter who's playing it physically? I mean, her facial her facial structure kind of works with Ahsoka. Have right? you ever thought, like, personality-wise, when you think of Ahsoka and you've seen Rosario Dawson on the screen, their personalities, how they, well, I should say how Rosario Dawson presents herself, I really feel like she has the attitude that Ahsoka has. I really yeah. feel like she can bring that. I agree with that. They emote the same way and they have that similar bubbly like personality, very happy-ish. Very happy-ish, but also at this point, Ahsoka should be a very seasoned veteran, so to speak. You know, like we're go- we're getting into a timeline where yeah, but that's just in- acting. That's it doesn't really matter. Like you know what I mean? Like if she can, do you get what I'm saying? Like oh, Rosario yeah. Dawson can act, so she can she can morph into anyone. She but, can morph into anyone. I, but when it comes to when honestly, <laughs> when it comes down to it, when they get the prosthetics on her, it's gonna be how good it, is she gonna look in it? Yeah, now my only issue is Rosario Dawson does have a bit of a that Latina sounding voice. And that's not going to quite work for Ahsoka. She, if, if you listen to the, even in things that she's not supposed to sound like a Latina, you always hear it at the very end of her words. It's there. And that's yeah, not no, going to quite say. I'm just saying it's not going to work <laughs> for Ahsoka, but... I'm wondering if they may just replace her voice. I'm, that's I hope not, not. That's something not entirely new with with Star Wars. We all know that's something that's done. I mean, that's very common. Well, I, normally I, I'd agree with you. Normally I would agree with you. However, recently, I know Rosario Dawson has done voice work, and not a lot of people realize this, but like in the geek community, Rosario Dawson has been the voice for Wonder Woman. Yeah, I saw that. The DC animated universe. And she loses her Latina accent. And she she loses it. You could not tell Diana or, or Wonder Woman is Rosario Dawson. That Are you sure she wasn't playing a Mexican version of Wonder Woman? <laughs> wow. Wow. I'm Wanda Mujer. <laughs> I cook you. I give you beans and I will fight the Liriona. You know, I can't really see Disney asking her not to. Like, hey, can you just lose that Latina vibe? Like, we need to get rid of that. Th- that's not going to go over very well in today's society. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, the new CEO of Disney is like, come here, um, Rosario. We, we saw your tweet, and uh, we're definitely interested. We think you'd be a great selection. But, um, Ixnay? On the Mexican A? On the Mexican A? <laughs> <laughs> in fact, you know, here, we're going to have tamales for lunch. Let this be your last Mexican thing you ever do for the next two or three years. We just want to make sure all the Mexican is out of your system. And then she's always, I'm not fucking Mexican, asshole. Puerto <laughs> <laughs> Rican, close enough. Oh, uh, yeah. So some fans are a little upset and they are rejecting this news. Not a big surprise. Not a big we're surprise. talking about Star Wars here. Of course, people are going to be vocal. And we're also dealing with arguably, David, one of the most popular Star Wars characters of all time. 
Yes. We're talking about Ahsoka here. No, so, I've, I've, I said it in, a, in one of our last shows that thinking about it, Ahsoka is by far the most influential Star Wars character introduced the last 10 years. 10 years. That's a lot. I mean, when you think about it, what other character besides the core Star Wars characters from the cinematic universe have have more influence with the fans than Ahsoka? Yeah. I, dude, I'm Listen, I, I'm good with it. I, like I said, I'm okay with it, but I understand why some of the fans are a little upset. I do it, too. It, become, it come, has a lot to do, I should say, with um, loyalty. A lot of these mm-hmm. fans are very local, loyal to Ashley Eckstein, who is who has been voicing Ahsoka since her conception, since she was introduced into the Star Wars mythos in the Clone Wars film. And because of that, a lot of people feel like this is a bit of a slight to her to her because she is considered not just a voiceover actor. She also has done live action. So a lot of people feel like it's kind of an in a little bit of an insult but also, I think people need to remember, and, and I want to say this with a little bit of a disclaimer here. I love Ashley Eckstein. I think she's amazing. She's fantastic to the fans. She has managed to bob and weave her way through all of the politics over the last, what, eight years. She's usually on the side of the fans. And she's awesome. But there's a little thing called star power. Yes, that's and, what this is. And not there's a reason why some people get more live action work over others because there's star appeal, there's charisma on screen. And yes, Ashley Eckstein is uh manages to capture millions of fans around the globe at conventions and we're all, you know, ensnared in her in her stories when she's talking, but it's very different on screen. You have to remember the Mandalorian is being seen by millions of people who've never seen Clone Wars. Yeah. And that's the sad truth. That is the honest to God sad truth. We're dealing with a big high concept show here and you have to put big names in it for the most part. Now, if this was just a Star Wars movie and eh, who cares? You know, the, the, I don't think Star Wars has ever needed big names, but we're dealing with a TV show here in Disney Plus. They're trying to create press, trying to create headlines. These are the types of things that do it. So. That being said, Ashley Eckstein has, in fact, shared her opinions on this in her own way. She released a statement, which I think, you know what, this is and I'm 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 glad she did this because this is how she's going to defend herself. Yes. She obviously feels that she's been slighted a bit. And you got to you got to realize that she's very close to Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni is is one of the executive producers on The Mandalorian. He's making decisions. and she. Was not even considered, you know, that's how she is probably viewing it. So Ashley Eckstein releases a statement regarding not playing live action Ahsoka in the Mandalorian. She says last week, a rumor was released about Ahsoka Tano being in season two of the Mandalorian. I've read all of your questions and comments about this story. And thank you for your patience as I've taken the much needed time to sort through these questions. The truth is I am not involved in the Mandalorian. So there's your answer, everyone. I can't answer questions for something I have not been a part of. I am an actress and I have performed in all types of mediums, live action, film, television, theater, voiceover. So she's telling people right there that she's capable of doing this. Yeah, she's capable. 
Uh, she says, and it has been my dream for 14 years to continue to play Ahsoka Tano in all forms. Her statement reads loud and clear. We get what she's saying. Yeah. I will continue to be grateful for opportunities to help create stories for Ahsoka Tano. And I'm always happy to see her legacy continue. I'm only one member of a tremendously talented team of people that takes to bring Ahsoka Tano to life. The final decision for Ahsoka are, are not mine to make. And I cannot comment on something that I truly know nothing about. And, and that was probably from Filoni. <laughs> that was from, yeah. Because Filoni was probably talking to Ashley and basically just telling her, listen, this is what it's all about. You know, it's no slight against her because we all know Filoni's the Filoni's now running Mandalorian okay, season two. Is that confirmed officially? That he is now. I believe so. The you full asked me this, and I, I, I was doing some research on it, and I believe that he is. He is the showrunner for season two because John Favreau is not attached to it. How do you know he's not? What do you? Is this one of your um, Kylo Ren lies that no, you did before no, the Force because Awakens? I want. Uh, I was doing the. I, I actually, as scary as it sounds, was doing the research to see oh, the research. Production. That is scary, Dave. Yeah, you, you never do that. Because I was actually curious about this is like, we know that in season one, it was Filoni and Favreau. And then a report came, uh, the, the, there was an article that got released and I have the note here that said that Favreau was not going to be part of season two hmm. because his story was already, that he wrote was already completed. It says in season two, Favreau, Filoni and Carl Weathers will direct episodes. So it'll be interesting. Maybe, Favreau will take just an executive producer seat as we, so that he is, can focus on movies happen. again because that's what he does. And I don't think he's leaving the project, but I can see him handing the day-to-day -day operations to, to Dave. Filoni. Yeah, because a film, usually a, a movie guy, they think it sounds like a cool idea to run a TV series. They're like, oh, run a TV series? Fuck, this will be awesome. And then they realize it's nine months of work. <laughs> And they're like, wait a second, I'm used to like three months of work and then I can relax and, and sit in the editing bay for a while. It, running a TV show is essentially running a business. You're a manager of a company, essentially. So I could see Filoni or Favreau saying, oh, fucking hell, this is a lot of fucking work. <laughs> and saying, hey, uh, how about I just direct a little bit here and there and uh, Filoni, you take over. You take over. You, you show run. Yeah, and honestly, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, Filoni has proven that. that he can um, take the reins on live action, and he's only going to get better at this point. The man's talented, whether it be uh, directing animation or live action. Yes, he was a little, you can tell he was a little new with that first live action episode he directed of The Mandalorian. It was a little rough, mm -hmm. but hey, he's never done it before. He's never give, done it before. Give him a chance to start working with real with live action actors. So. And it goes, it goes back to what you mentioned, what Sam Whitmer said. I mean, look... It, Everyone should be shocked about the progression of Dave Filoni at this point, starting from 10 years ago as just a creative mind behind an animation a studio. A what? Uh, uh, creative mind. Behind. I really didn't hear what you said. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to be sorry. an asshole. I was like, what? A creative mind? No, I thought I actually didn't say it correctly. I thought you said creative mime. I'm like, well, that's kind of That's fun. what I thought I said. But like... That's what you thought you said. That's what I thought it said. Oh that was like, going, oh man, my voice is not working today. But it, it it goes back to like what you were saying, what Sam Whitmer said. Look at the progression Filoni has gone through. He deserves to take that next step. And a lot of the people 
behind the scenes know this. You can see it in like what they're doing and where his name pops up now and then. I mean, me and you gushed over the fact that he finally got to direct a live action in season one. Right. And to be honest, The Mandalorian was was an okay series. And I think the problems that did exist was because Favreau was running it. And not because he's not capable, but because, as I've said many times, he's a motion picture director and writer. That's what he's good at. That's what he knows how to do. Writing for television is very different. And many of the problems I had had everything to do with pacing. Mm -hmm. And hopefully with Filoni taking the reins, maybe those problems will actually be be worked out. I mean, Reyna, did you you watched all of The Mandalorian, right? Yes. And did you have any specific issues with the show in in itself? Mm, honestly, no. <laughs> yeah. And that's but that's a good thing for me because I'm blissfully oblivious and I enjoy it. I feel like I enjoy it better. And honestly, honestly. as a fan, you should be. You should be. I'm not taking it apart, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I wish I could be that kind of person. I wish I can be. That is not our destiny, But see, Mike. the problem is then I listen to you guys and I start seeing things, especially in the books, and I start picking things apart. And I'm like, damn it, Michael. <laughs> yes. <laughs> see, it's our destiny, Bringing Mike. people to the side of hate yes. one person at a time. <laughs> yes. You mean to tell me that me and you are like the Sith Lords of fan of the fan? Fan group. Yep. You really <laughs> are. He, Michael really ruined a book for me that I liked. Oh, it was a shitty book, right now. Blissfully <laughs> oblivious, Mike. Yeah. All right. So, Dave, more Mandalorian news. A of lot course. of things surfacing. Now, whether or not th- this stuff, this, a lot of things may change because now with the whole coronavirus scare, things change fast. Oh, so, yeah. if they uh, shut down production, Actors may leave the project. They may have another project that schedule conflicts. Yeah. A lot of shit is going to be, you know, flipped right now. So it'll be interesting to see how or if any of this is actually affected. All right. So Michael Bain joins the Mandalorian season two. God, I'm so excited for this one, dude. If that's an eighties attic dream come true. Yes. And I am that eighties attic. How giddy on a scale of one to 10, David, how giddy were you when you heard this news? I was more excited about this than Rosario Dawson. And how long did it take for you to whip your penis out? And start jerking <laughs> oh, my it? God. Well, let's just be honest. Well, dude, Michael, Michael Bean's like the poster child for the 80s action hero. I know. Here we go. Come on. What if he's Baylor Valance? Come on. He was. Dude, he what was if a, he's Baylor Valance? Oh, my God. Perfect. Oh, perfect. It is I perfect, might, dude. I might actually have a male orgasm. Oh, a male <laughs> orgasm. It, what's okay? The, the tos- testosterone might might be so much. Oh, okay. That it get it, me out I, of this it, tank. Yeah, it may just leak out <laughs> because <Disgusting. laughs> if I could stop this from happening before my eyes by injecting you with female estrogen. Estrogen is that even a thing? Female is there a di- female or male estrogen? If there's to geez, combat let's the just testosterone, this entire conversation, please. Wait, but, what do you want me to do to David? But if you think about it, my, but think about it, Michael Bean, Terminator, Aliens. Two of the biggest franchises in the 80s. Planet Terror. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He was in Planet Terror. He, he I forgot. Great. He was great in he that. He was great in that one. But like, 
thinking about like the characters that he can play just makes me giddy, especially if it's like something, if it's a returning character from the old EU that would harken back to the eighties, like say dash Rendar. He was dash. Yeah. You bring up Valance. I think that'd be fucking awesome. If he was Valance, He's a little, he might be a little too old. For Valance her. is old at this point, though, if you think it's about five it. Five years after Return of the Jedi. Dude, look at Valance, look but at Valance he was in also, the Bounty Hunters book. He was also in uh, Solo, the Cadet series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know he could be up he there. He could be, he'd, he'd be up there by this point. He'd be up there, He'd boo. be up there. He'd be up there. <laughs> and, and think about it. Talking about, ghetto when you get excited. <laughs> because, if you, this by itself has me more excited just because like we're talking Kyle Reese from Terminator. <laughs> Dude, bring up something new. I don't care. I don't care about new, Mike. This is my nostalgia. He's John Connor's father. <laughs> and it, I mean, if you listen to our past, it, to our past shows, especially with uh, Target Vader, when they do storytelling that basically harkens back to the eight, those 80 schlock action films, this is what you, this is a star that you should do a, a do that to. Yeah. So the article, Dave, a few days after the addition of Rosario Dawson in the key role of Ahsoka Tano for the Mandalorian second season, the Disney Plus Star Wars spinoff series has expanded its roster with the addition of the Terminator and Alien star Michael Bain. Is it Bain or Bean? Bean. I'll believe you. Bean. In an undisclosed role, according to The Wrap, when Bean's role currently unknown, it could mark a reunion between the 63-year-old star and writer-director, get this, Dave, this is new information, writer-director Robert Rodriguez, who is also (laughs) rumored to be directing at least one episode of the upcoming second season. I'm done. I'm done. Dude, Robert Rodriguez directing a fucking episode of The Mandalorian? How fucking amazing would that be? Well, dude... I mean, picture, picture Michael Bean. They're just was, getting all the nerds together, aren't they? Oh, they're getting us all together. Dude, Tarantino will be next, dude. Like, hey. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Tarantino's going to look look at Rodney. You're blowing your mic out. You been? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Let me fix your mic, you fanboy. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. You're, you're, talking e- completely. you're talking even after the mic's off. Because this is like a dream come true for oh me. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, Robert Rodriguez. Yes, yes, dude. I am actually really excited for that. And if he's coming in, maybe he's the one who brought you know Michael Bean. He's like, hey, listen, I got something I want to do. Bring in Michael Bean and uh, possibly Salma Hayek, Antonio Banderas. <laughs> I'm not gonna bring Salma Hayek. Oh, she can be a, oh, she'd be the second armorer, David. Oh my God. We haven't seen her. And we just see two hot armorers. Yeah. And they scissor for no apparent reason. <laughs> He's a, oh, your best guard steals so hard. <laughs> oh my God. Listen, I'm writing some fan fiction right now. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> written by Robert Rodriguez. Here, let me forge this best guard steel between your thighs. <laughs> Fade out. Fade out. All right. So the, zoom in. The, the <laughs> cut to extreme close up. 
All right, so the two previously worked together on the acclaimed sci-fi horror comedy film Planet Terror, part of the double feature Grindhouse, in which he played a sheriff facing off against a zombie apocalypse. Thank you. Okay, thank you for giving us that press release. That's all we have. (laughs) That's all we have. What if he plays Boba Fett? (sighs) He could. You'd have to explain. Then you have the long-awaited explanation what happened to Boba Fett. And listen, I can live without that. Exactly. You would you would have to you'd have to go. Uh, do we really have to go there? Well, and we both know Fluke has never really cared for Boba Fett, and if he never cared for Boba Fett, I don't see Filoni dying to put Boba Fett out there. Again. Exactly. Yeah. All right, we need to go to a very quick break. We'll be right back. Get more Star Wars discussions every month with the Back to Tank Patreon exclusive shows. From Star Wars comics and book reviews to speculative discussions and breakdowns. All when you pledge to our Patreon page. What? Go to patreon.com slash Digital for more details. As you wish. a uh, 63% on the RMD rating score system. Did you nice. give it a percentage? I didn't, Did I? but I'm, I'm with you. I, I I didn't think about it until now, but I'm 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 with you. It's it's in the 62%, 60%. Yeah. I think uh, you don't even have to be Mexican to enjoy it. Yeah. Don't even have to be a bean eater to like it. <laughs> you don't have to be a border hopper to like it, right? I... I'm not agreeing or at all. You Just, don't have to swim the rivers to enjoy this comic. Oh, boy. You don't have to have a child locked up in a cage along the border to enjoy this title. <laughs> it's probably wrong that I laugh, huh? You don't have to be a rapist to enjoy this title. Oh, Listen, I'm Mexican. I can crack all yeah, the jokes. Yeah, that's why I'm like, should I be laughing at what well, he's saying? By default, I'm going to give you a street cred. Okay. okay I'm Mexican. You know, I'm the first generation born in the United States. And, you know, I'm going to give you, by default, you get street cred. Uh, so as long as you're talking to me, you know, you, you, you're you brown. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. And as long as you talk to me, you won't be deported. That's that's cr- exactly. Thank you. <laughs> we, it, we're it's, helping each other. Mike. It's a symbiotic relationship. It really is. It is. Weird West Radio, exclusively on Rain Man Digital. Head over to RainmanDigitalMedia.com or search for it wherever you listen to podcasts. Keep Rain Man Digital on the air through 2020 by pledging to our Patreon page. Uh, your continued support allows us to continue to make great content and offer even better features in the future. Help us keep the lights on in the studio by pledging $1 to $10 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Digital to pledge. No. 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 You must die. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Star Wars from the Back of Tank. You can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Just search Star Wars from the back to tank. Leave us reviews, thumbs up, share our shows, like us. 
We need the help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we do a lot for you. And we deserve a little something back. Don't make me quit this show. <laughs> I'll do it. After I, all the times I've made you angry. I have found that threatening works pretty well. <laughs> all right. So, Dave. Cassie and Andor. Andor series to feature backlog and of unused Star Wars characters and to stay true to the cinematic roots. Well, I hope so. We have kind of forgotten about the Cassie and Andor series, haven't we? We did. Yes. Because it's, it's flying under the radar. Yeah, because the Mandalorian was such a smash hit with pretty much 99.9% of the Star Wars fans. And then while we were eating up all the Mandalorian we can or we could, uh, then we had the news of the Obi-Wan series. And this series has just been all but forgotten. <laughs> like no one's talking about it. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you heard any news on the Cassian Andor series? Barely anything. Nothing. That's what surprised me. There's been nothing. And the thing is, is that I am the most excited for this one. Even I know I, I'm, I'm kind of torn because First off, the showrunner for this series is the only real TV showrunner that has been hired to run any of these shows. Really? The showrunner is the guy that did The Americans on FX. Yeah, that's right. And The Americans is a fantastic TV show. Oh, it is. Yes. One of the best of the last five years, easily. And this show is supposed to be a spy-eccentric show, Mm -hmm. which The Americans is a spy show. So if he brings some of that flavor to this and his ability to write a fucking TV show, I am most excited academically for this series out of all of them, out of Mandalorian season two, out of Obi-Wan because of the writers. What have I always said? What what always floats my boat more than anything? It doesn't matter who you have cast. I don't care if Selma Hayek has her titties in it. If you cast a fantastic writer, I'm going to go with that writer every single fucking time. Because you know that you're going to get something of substance. Yes. So I have been looking forward to this series for a very long time. And it was sad to see it just kind of get forgotten. And now we have the whole coronavirus thing. So I'm sure it's going to be pushed back even further. So I'm hoping this happens. And that's why I was happy when this bit of news came out. um, Because it showed me that, hey. Guys, we're still doing this. We're we're over here, guys. Don't forget. Hey, it might be a blessing in disguise, honestly. You think in what way? Because here's the thing. With something like with Rogue One, um, I hate to see it get overhyped like what I've been seeing a lot of stuff that Disney has done where they overhype something. And when something comes out, that's just Disney, man. They, they're the king of overhypers. Yeah. But you know, how most of us, you know, most of us, you know, most of us short sell ourselves. Like we have small dicks like Disney is like, I have a big dick. That's what they go around saying it constantly. And then Mickey Mouse pops out. (laughs) (laughs) And we're all disappointed. (laughs) You told us it was big. (laughs) It's really small. I think what David is trying to say though, is that they have time now. Like we have nothing but time. So they have time to look at this and make sure it actually is yes. as big as they're claiming that it's going to be. Exactly. Yeah. Because like with Obi-Wan and now the Mandalorian season two taking a lot of, we could t- call it fan heat with, with the, those two taking a lot of fan heat. 
Rogue One can actually kind of like slide easily through, have no production problems, have no issues whatsoever. No expectations. To, no expectations. We completely forget about it and then boom. And then boom, it, ha- yeah. it, it gets released and all of a sudden everyone's like, going, holy shit. It, and I would actually like for a change, a series to do that, where I'd basically watch it for the first time and I'm like going, it's fresh, it's new. I have no expectations for it, and it blows my mind. Think about how me and you went into Solo. We went to Solo completely. (laughs) With no expectations. No expectations. Dude, we were morbid. We were walking in, and then we were all smiles when we were walking out. we were all smiles walking out. That's the the secret to a series like that. That's the secret to the success. Is that the secret to being happy in life, too? Just to be constantly expect the worst? And then, like, even you'll be happy. Worse, but yes. if, if that's your yes, it is. Rain, is that what you do? Because I think I need, we need to talk a little bit. Because maybe you can <laughs> teach me to be. Because I'm already morbidly depressed, and I, I still am just. You know, I think the worst is that all is always going to happen, but it's not working. So maybe I should just bring myself to that near like slitting my wrist point. No, not like that. You just need to have keep your expectations low. And then when something good happens, you're like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. And then you're happy. You're happy for the surprise. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. Don't slit your wrist. Jesus Christ. No, I say almost to that level. (laughs) Almost. No, you don't have to get to that level. Oh, okay. All right. So, yes, very excited for the casting and Andor. Yeah. And I kind of like your idea. Both of you. I, I kind of like that. Like, I, I maybe we should just forget about it. And, and then it's going to, dude, watch this be one of the best, the best series. ones. Watch this be the best show of all time. Yeah. Think about think about this. Look at what happened with Rise of Skywalker. Shit ton of shit ton of hype. And everyone was like gushing. What's going to happen? Oh, this could happen. This could happen. But that's kind everyone of a no-win situation. Up. That's kind of a no-win situation with the Skywalker. With the Skywalker saga. Yeah. But yeah. you could you could kind of actually take that kind of lesson of everyone got their expectations so high. It was impossible for Rise of Skywalker to meet those. Rogue One could easily basically go in, basically be a badass show. Yeah. And everyone will, just like what you said, make this the greatest Star Wars series, even better than The Mandalorian. Okay, so what are you looking forward to the most? You got to rate them, rank them. Out of the, the Mandalorian season two, Obi-Wan, or the Cassian Andor series? I'm going to put Obi-Wan number one, because I, I love that character. He's my favorite character, one of my favorite characters of all time. After that is Mandalorian season two. Because of they gave us a solid first season. Let's see what they can do now with a second season. Okay. And then Rogue One, I'm going in and saying, I don't want to know anything because we don't know anything. We don't know what the plot is. The only thing we know is it centers around Cassian. That's a bonus because we all, all us fans agree, Cassian was one of the bright standouts of Rogue One. There was something really good about his acting that Mm -hmm. we just, we, we just couldn't focus on him enough. He was really good. He was really good. Um, Raina, what about you? What's your ranking of these next three Star Wars iterations? Cassian Andor. That's my number one. And it has been since we talked about this. God, what, a year ago when, yeah. when these shows were just being talked about? I was like Rogue One. I was super excited about it. So Cassian Andor. Um, 
Mandalorian, Obi-Wan, and I am excited for the Obi-Wan, even though it's my number three, but I'm just, I'm afraid that they're not going to be able to bring to the screen or to the TV what they have been able to do in the movies, and I'm worried. Yeah. Yeah. And see, that that, that the fear of the expectation, you know? Yeah. Uh, Raina, you just read my mind, because that's, that's the reason why I'm hesitant and and not looking forward to Obi-Wan as much as I probably should. Because I am nervous that what are they going to do? We already know much of what Obi-Wan did via the comics. They're not going to retcon. They're not going to ignore the comics. It's all canon. Yes, there's plenty of time in between for him to do something. But what? What are they going to do? And are they going to leave the planet? Is it going to be very small and they're going to stay in one location? Will they be able to really focus on a grand story? there's just a lot of questions. And then we already know the person attached has left. There's so many problems on the movie and it hasn't even started yet. Um, so for me, Cassie and Andor, number one, Mandalorian season two and Obi-Wan number three. And it's funny because I wasn't rogue. One is probably my outside of last Jedi. I like rogue one a lot, but it's probably my least favorite of the new Star Wars films outside of, I mean, Last Jedi is my absolute least favorite, but I mean, it doesn't even count at this point, but (laughs) Rogue One, I liked it, but I wasn't in love with it, but something about this, uh, the idea that the pitch for this series, the fact that it's a spy saga, and then of course the people who are writing it, and Cassian Andor was one of the more interesting characters, there's a lot you can do with this, and the fact that the news behind this, getting back to the actual topic here, that they're going to be using a backlog of unused Star Wars characters. It's almost like, hey, guys, this is the end of an era. We're not going to be dabbling as much in the Skywalker timeline. Here you go. Unload all these characters that we had introduced at some point and you saw in the background and we never really used them. Let's get them out there. Let's, let's be done with them. That's kind of what it feels like, right? Oh, yeah. And it. it... But the it's bottom of the Skittles bag. You're just, flipping, Skittles you're just bag, flipping it yeah. upside down. Like, is there any more in there? Come well, out. There's so much potential, too. There really is. Yeah. So uh, the interview goes like this. What is fun about this is in many ways, I don't think it feels different than working on a movie. He says, wait, who is this? Let me go back. Jesus. Very professional. <laughs> Uh, Cassie Andor's rebel adventures prior to his Death Star related death on Scarif will be just as cinematic as Rogue One. Speaking with movie web Neil Scallon, Lucasfilm's creature and droid effects creative supervisor. Uh, he promised the, the Star Wars prequel series coming to Disney Plus isn't cutting any corners whatsoever. Thank God. He says, what is fun about this in many ways i don't think it feels different than working on a movie it certainly doesn't feel like we are making any compromises it's the same creative conditions in every department to do what we can do to populate the world around cassian he'll be played by of course the returning diego luna lucasfilm is digging into a rich treasure trove of unused and underused ideas not just characters ideas Created for previous projects. Like a grab bag. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine being the Cassie and Andor series and being one of the last series that are potentially going to be made in this time period? And they're just like, fuck, we get this. You guys, you guys have all of this you can do. (laughs) Literally, the sky's the limit at this point. That's the thing is like they uh, if I was a filmmaker behind the uh, Rogue One series, I'd be so excited because I'm like going. So you mean to tell me. 
No strings attached. I could use anything. There's no potential. There's no potential feet to step on, Dave. Yeah. There's it's, no potential obstacle in my way. Yeah. Uh, he also says we have a backlog of characters. A lot of the characters that we built for all the films either didn't make it into the final cut because that's just the way that the film process happens or that they are seen so momentarily that there is this wonderful second opportunity to bring back some of the characters that we've made and bring them to this new storyline anymore. And he says, shall we say integrated way? Dude, they're going to have fun in this series, man, because they have nothing to worry about with the Mandalorian. You're still in a timeline that is relatively unknown. And I'm sure Lucasfilm still wants to be a little careful post return of the Jedi and uh, between the force awakens and return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. But with this, they're, they're pretty much done with this area between revenge of the Sith and a new hope, but there's still some ground that you can cover. Yes. And I because mean, they know most of the story has been laid out, they can pretty much move where they want without damaging anything. Not to get your expectations to the start. I know up. because it's happening, it's, <laughs> but can you imagine if they, you know, just always say, hey, let's bring back the Guardian of the Wills. Let's do uh, a couple episodes on that. Donnie Yen, come back. We're going to do a couple episodes on the Guardians of the Wills. But Cassian didn't know him. Doesn't. But the Guardians of Wills play a specific role around you, that you mean area. the Wills as a group? Yeah, yeah, the Wills as a group. Yeah. They, it would, it would make sense that basically, hey, where Cassian is, the Guardians are the Guardians of the Wills were established in his quote unquote sector. Yeah. So it wouldn't True. be it wouldn't be out of it wouldn't be out of left field to all of a sudden say, hey, he it, the Rebel Alliance at that time and their fleeting growth deals with that. I, I I'm not sure if you, we should call them a cult or a religion because it's one of those things that was. Barely touched on, but it's also one of those things that was amazing that they brought in. We don't know anything about it. It was yeah. unused. It was an unused idea from George Lucas. Yeah, don't don't get me mad, please, because I I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting excited though. I, see, yes, I'm yeah. getting excited, but also I'm getting frustrated because it goes back to how Disney has no clear path. They introduce this idea of the Guardians of the Wills, and and then it's like fuck it, <laughs> never again. <laughs> Like there's so much, there's a rich mythos there. That's one of the reasons why I did like Rogue One because they utilize the mythos of the force, which so many of the movies are not doing the new movies. Mm-hmm. So dude, I mean, yeah, but let's quit talking about it. Cause I'm going to get too excited and then I'm going to have expectations and then I'm going to shit all over gonna, it. And then you're going to shit all over it. See, this is, that's why I said not yeah. to get your expectations up, but yeah. that is like an example. But of let an me idea. bring this awesome topic up and then you can think about it and have hopes. And this is why but don't. <laughs> I am the emperor to your Darth Vader. Uh, you just like, David, since I've met you, you like to get me angry. <laughs> you used to do it on film sets. I used to blow up and get mad at people when they're like dropping cameras. And I'm filming And it. you're filming me getting mad with a smile on your face. This is for behind the scenes. <laughs> people are going to want to see this. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, evil. All right, so you want to hear some news that will make you laugh? Uh, People are wondering if The Rise of Skywalker uh, will be released on Disney Plus really early. (laughs) Yeah, because coronavirus. That's about high hopes. Coronavirus. You know, everyone's giving away everything for free now to entertain people and keep them at home that people are now hoping... 
the Rise of Skywalker will also be released for free. Because it's the end times. Like, what are you smoking? <laughs> Disney doesn't give a fuck. Like, yeah, they're going to give you Frozen because Frozen made $20 billion internationally. They're not going to do something with it. They're not going to give the Rise of Skywalker free <laughs> on Disney+. Plus. Plus. Not yet. Not they'll, yet. They'll do it in a few months, maybe in in like 11, 12 months, but they need to make their money on Blu-ray, especially because they didn't hit the numbers they wanted to. Oh, yeah. They're not going to put this shit on, on <laughs> Disney Plus next week because of Corona. <laughs> Disney has cl- And the parks are closed, yeah, the, so they're really losing money. Yeah, the parks are closed. The theaters are closed. They're making zero dollars. You think they're going to be like, yeah, fuck it. Let's <laughs> lose potentially millions of dollars. I would, again, like to see... What you what would have happened in the boardroom of Disney to the person that brought no. this up? If this was well, how would they bring it up, idea? David? You know, like how? if they said, "Hey, Mister, I think it's Chepik, Mister mm-hmm. Chepik." I'm, I'm Chepik right now. Yeah, you're okay. Chepik, okay. Mister Chepik. Mm-hmm. Why don't we release Rise of Skywalker right now? Right, right, right now. What do you mean, like on Blu-ray? Right? Well, you know, everyone's Blu-ray? stuck on on no, Blu-ray no, 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 on, on Disney Plus. No, no, release a Blu-ray early, right? No, 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 on Disney Plus. You know, release it to the masses because of coronavirus. Wait, excuse me. I, I did you? I thought I heard you say Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, everyone seems to be releasing everything digitally fast. Who is this guy here? <laughs> but sir, you, you, you don't you want to help the masses? Security. I mean, I mean, people people are suffering on the inside of their houses. Get the fuck out of here! <laughs> Force choke his ass. Yeah. <laughs> hey, where's uh, the guard that kicked Kathleen Kennedy out on her ass? <laughs> and Bob Iger, can we get the same security guard? Because he did a great job. I was laughing my ass off as they were crying with their little cardboard box with their belongings. I was laughing from the uh, 20th story office. <laughs> can, we get the, can we get the same guy? <laughs> Disney plus my ass. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was I'm such an asshole because I was laughing at the sheer naivety of some of these fans begging for Disney plus to drop, drop Rise it. of Skywalker. I'm like, no, that's not. It's just not. Plus, it just pisses me off, too, because like. First, fans bash it. Okay, they bash the crap out of the, uh, you. Uh, it, a, I was fair. I don't bash. I just basically be fair about it. Okay, but the fans that bash it and then say, "Hey, why don't you give this to us for free?" <laughs> Wait a minute, motherfucker! Uh, yeah, go pay. <laughs> go pay. Yeah. If, if you want it for why do you want it for free? If you don't like it, why didn't you want it for free? Yeah. So in most, it's available now, right? No. Yeah, it's available now. Digital. Video digital. on demand. Yeah, Video digital. On demand. And then the physical uh, copies will be available March 31st on Blu-ray and DVD. I was really hoping we would get those announcements, Dave. You know, the <laughs> JJ cut or one of those other things. Oh, but, uh, yeah. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. I don't I don't think they're going I don't think they're going to. I mean, Writing's on the wall on, on Rise of Skywalker. It's now basically about cleanup duty. Well, kind of. I, I have started reading the Rise of Skywalker novel, the novelization. It's pretty good. It is. It, it is. It's not like The Last Jedi's no. novelization. The, the Last Jedi was literally a fix-it job. And it pissed me it off. It was like, because, how yeah. are we going to explain the plot holes? Mm-hmm. How are we going to explain that Finn suddenly knows how to fly? How are we going to explain this? How are we going to explain that? 
Rise of Skywalker is fully, it's a true expansion. Mm-hmm. All it is, is, is stretching out those moments. You know, the moments that we complained about, all three of us complained about for the opening 30 minutes. Yeah. That is just too much going on too fast. Well, the book slows everything down and doesn't necessarily add too much. It just explains more within the words. You, it gives you a better, it gives you better context. Of context. Things. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the word I was looking for context. It gives you better context of what happens in the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. That's not filling and making excuses or fixing, fixing your plot holes. That's broadening out your story out. You know, that's basically. It's fixing the pacing. Somewhat. Yeah, it's slowing your story down so that we can ingest it more as an audience. But it does get me frustrated because I'm, I, I get annoyed, not with JJ, I get annoyed with Disney because if he had just been given more of a, more leeway with time and we weren't so stuck on making sure this movie was done in two and a half hours and we were given three hour send off it would have felt better well dude is that disney's fault or is that kathleen kennedy's fault uh, who knows exactly that's the problem is like we know it's not jj's fault because he didn't have final cut he didn't have final say the person who had final say is whoever's right above him. Bob Iger and Kathleen Kennedy and the mm-hmm. security guards have escorted them out the building. <laughs> All right. We need to actually end today's broadcast. That is our time. We are done. I want to thank everyone for listening to this broadcast. Thank you, Raina. Thank you, guys. Thank you, David. Thank you. And may the force be with us. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs>